Welcome to Adventures in Marketing. I'm Caleb Wines. And I'm Chris Kent. We're two industry veterans who will be having conversations all around marketing and media, what we've seen in our careers, what we see happening currently, and how we think it's going to affect the future of the industry. 2023 was a tough year for marketers. That's why in today's episode, Chris and I talk about some predictions for hopefully a prosperous 2024. Hey, marketers, welcome back to our podcast. Hope everyone's having a good week. Today, Caleb and I are going to dive into what we think is going to happen next year. What are some predictions that we think will help marketers improve on the year they had in 2023 and what they should be thinking about as they start to head into the new year? Caleb, since I kicked this one off, I'll let you be first in line. All right. So I think in 2023, to me, the headlines, I mean, first of all, what a crappy year 2023 was from a marketing perspective. Just so many things were didn't go well for marketers, for, for individuals, for agencies. It's It's been a really tough year. But I think the one thing that to me, at least as I look back, that, that dominated the headlines was AI. And AI in a lot of ways, and we've already talked about this on mm-hmm. a previous episode, but in a lot of ways – it's been around for a long time and they're just renaming things that had already existed as AI. And it's not the AI that you think about from the Terminator movies or anything like that. It's, it's the weak version that basically is Amazon Alexa. So I think that in 2024, this is my first prediction in 2024, mm-hmm. AI will still be a major thing, but there'll be some other buzzworthy thing that will take over the headlines probably mid-year. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to predict what it is. But if I had to label the prediction, I would say AI will be dethroned from the headline-grabbing attention that it's been getting all of 2023. So I'm going to agree with you because the couple predictions you're going to hear from me have AI laced through them. So it's not that I'm calling out AI as an individual type of entity. It's more of how it can be used to do things better. So to your point, I think that people might just stop talking about AI in this big, amorphous type of capital A, capital I, but be a little bit more like how it's actually being utilized. Yeah. I mean, to me, if you think about things like dynamic creative optimization, DCO, it's like you have all these assets. It's very hard and very complex to to be able to get off the ground and make effective. Could be very powerful from a consumer ad engagement standpoint. I think AI can help with things like that. And I think Correct. I think it's going to be super powerful, but it's going to be a riff on things that already exist right now. It's not going to be so transformational. It's not going to it's not going to put copywriters out of business. It's not going to put you know creative and marketers out of business. In fact, it's probably going to have a similar dynamic, like programmatic did, where it's going to probably add staff. Got it. No, I agree with that. All right, now, over to you for your prediction. All right. My first prediction for next year will be the increase by marketers, not necessarily of the consumer base, but of marketers of voice search. So thanks to smart speakers and voice assistants, consumers have been leaning into voice shopping, right? Voice search, voice shopping. Per UpCity, 50% of the U.S. population, 18 and over, use voice search daily. 
Now, I don't know about 50% use it daily. I think a very high number of people do. So I do think that directionally, I'll go with the statistic. And I think here, this is what's going to force marketers to have to adapt their SEO strategy, right? So this includes key phrases, long tail keywords that mirror conversational tone typically used in voice searches, whereas before in typed out searches, it was much more exact. But now we have to make sure that the machine learning and the AI, going back to your previous statement, are actually taking into conversational type searches and the way people use words. So now that people have been getting used to voice assistants, the way we speak to them is getting more and more conversational and less scripted. Hence, marketers need to change their terms to be more loose, change to be more conversational friendly. So this is also an AI, AI adaptation and natural language processing are key, but this is where we have to understand context, intention behind what was being asked. So I see that this is going to help marketers next year because consumers are already leaning into it. And I think more and more brands need to change and augment the way that they have been doing SEO and SEM to be more voice enabled. Yeah, I think voice enabled search is a good one. I, You know, you forget how ubiquitous it is. Every single household that has a phone or some smart assistant, which is pretty much 100%. I can't think of anybody who doesn't have the ability to do any kind of a voice search. It's just all always yep. there in cars. I mean, it's it it. It's so ubiquitous. They think people forget that it is a dominant communication tool that is not taken advantage of. That That's my thing, right? I think that companies for so long, yes, they've been working, trying to figure out the whole SEO, SEM type of strategy and perfection. And I think that they really now need to start doubling down on the voice side. And like I said, being more the conversational type of searching versus the more scripted words of what people type in and look for. So this is a crazy one. You you, you ready for this? <laughs> okay, let's go. All right. So as we all know, George Santos was, was removed from the House of Representatives a, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. My prediction is that this is going to prove out to be one of the great marketing promotions of all time. He won his election in New York. He made his way you know, through a web of lies. Yep. The, this was all scripted. And he, it will emerge in, in what, like I said, will be one of the greatest marketing promotions of all time as the George Santos was actually an origin story for an upcoming Joker reboot. <laughs> now, uh, now hear me out. He's already right. got the colorful jackets. Yes. He's got. He's going to end up with another Botox malfunction where he ends up with a permanent smile. <laughs> he, all he needs to do is literally dye his hair green, and that will be the most amazing marketing promotion of all time. Getting somebody installed and then removed out of uh, the House of Representatives as a marketing ploy. It is pretty amazing. The web of lies that he wove to get there, and then how much of a problem it was to actually get him out. It, it should happen sooner. Like I could almost, if this were a marketing thing, I could see the people at the studio saying, hmm, this is taking longer than we thought. How can we accelerate this thing? He should have been long gone by now. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, it is funny though, that he got removed right after the sag after contract got him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, look, who who knows? I don't I don't know if this will actually happen, but if uh, George Santos becomes the origin story for the next Joker installment, I, I I deserve some sort of credit for that. I mean, that might be the greatest influencer campaign of all time. <laughs> all right should should I go to a, a serious one? Uh, yeah, let's I'll go to a serious one. 
All right, so uh, I'm going to double down on something you said on a on a on the brand safety podcast. Is I don't think Twitter is going away. I, I agree with you. I think that you know I read a lot and I watch some news, and every single time you hear X, formerly known as Twitter, and I don't know what Musk's endgame is. I but I almost feel like that there's hope that maybe one day it'll just go back to Twitter. It has such brand recognition. The fact that they yeah. keep they, I'm sure Musk is just clenching his fists every time says X, formerly known as Twitter. Why can't they just call it X? I'm sure he's thinking in his head. But it, it is so hard to migrate all of your user base to another platform. I was almost thinking about it in the way that when Patreon came on board, I know that's mm -hmm. a different model, subscriptions, but a lot of YouTube influencers who are frustrated with YouTube wanted to go move all their audience over to Patreon, but they couldn't do it. And yeah. it's like YouTube is the 800 pound gorilla. And so is, so is X formerly known as Twitter. So I, I think that whatever happens, it's not going away. It's, it's either going to be, he's going to sell it off to another company who will rebuild it back to its Twitter days, or he'll still own it, but maybe relinquish control and he'll get out of the spotlight. Hopefully, but I, I agree with you that it's, it's too big to migrate over to another platform. Yeah. The other thing I'm going to put in there to say why it won't happen next year is next year is an election year. And if any year when you see an uptick in Twitter usage, it's going to be an election year. I, I just see that, again, to your point, I agree. Um, I think the election year, I'm not saying from just pure uh, monetary coming in from marketers. I'm just saying from usage standpoint, being an election year, I think it'll help sustain the model. We didn't even talk about it, but like threads, you know, Instagram's mm -hmm. yep. short form messaging that has really not gained, gained any traction. And I kind of feel like that meta thought, Oh, this is going to be a, a replacement for Twitter. Yeah. And it's no, not. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. So I will now jump into my next prediction. And I'm actually going to talk about something that's been around for a while, but I think it needs to actually through machine learning and AI, again, kind of threading that through, I think it's going to go to a next level, which is hyper-personalization. And here it's that consumers expect a personalized experience from the brands they interact with, especially in today's age, right? They want to see offers that are tailored to their personal needs and interests. This allows for companies utilizing data to target and retarget potential consumers based on their interests, demos, and buying behavior. Not necessarily new, but with the up-leveling of AI and machine learning, it's essentially allowing us to have a conversation now with our customers based on exactly what they want and need. So per Accenture, 91% of consumers are more likely to shop with brands that recognize, remember, and provide relevant offers and recommendations. This is where companies can utilize the AI and the machine learning to deliver personalized experiences. So as an example, a company can use this type of technology to create personalized product recommendations and personalized email marketing outreach. So for me, this is a benefit to both the business and the consumer, right? On the business side, leads to greater customer loyalty, increased sales, better brand engagement. Consumers, you get a more relevant and personalized experience. So I think that in today's world, why are we not getting better identified type of target advertising you know what I bought, especially if I bought it through your website. It's very easy for you to ask me a question a week later. How is this fitting? How is this? Or here's a complimentary piece. Maybe here's a discount to go with that. But I think there's a way to do better engagement and enhance sales. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that we talked a little bit about 
DCO, the dynamic creative optimization. Yep. It's just, it's, it befuddles me why that isn't more popular. And it, I think the reason why it's not that easy, it's so complex. You have to have so many different assets and then you have to almost be a computer programmer to write the script. So when people engage with your website and then go off and do other stuff, you can serve them the, that right combination of assets and messaging. And it's very difficult. I mean, I remember again, working on it, on Hyundai, it was very difficult to get off the ground. Just nobody was scoped to produce that amount of assets. I'm hopeful that things like AI and other stuff can make that more of a reality. And that kind of segues into one, one of my other predictions about first party data. I think with cookie deprecation and all that other stuff that, that's happening with regard to privacy, I think first party data is going to be king in 2024. And that is a key linchpin to doing what you just suggested, which is the hyper personalization. You really need that first party data. It needs to be rich. You have to get all the privacy stuff mm -hmm. squared away. But at the same time, people have no problem hitting accept. Yeah. Uh, on those uh, privacy notifications. And to your point, they want the personalized, they want the better ads served to them. So I think that that is definitely something when you talk about the personalized content and you talk about first party data that's hand in hand. So there's been a lot of discussion about the, I don't know if you would say degradation or the exp expiration of cookies. What's your take on that? It, it's probably going to happen, but it's going to evolve into something else. Yeah. I think like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a lot of people go to the walled gardens where they don't have to use cookies. They can just have yeah. these campaigns. It's going to hurt the multi-touch attribution ability because you're going to lose the customer as they go from one platform uh, to one portal to another. Correct. Correct. So I, I think that there's... It, it's not going to stop marketing. It's just going to, you're going to reduce some of the visibility into how consumers go from one place to another and interact with multiple ads, but it's not the end of the world. Things are going to, it's going to look a lot like it is today. Yep. Nope. Agree. Wholeheartedly agree. All right. So for my third one, I'm actually going out to, this, this is going to be more of a 2025 prediction. And I think we're going to see more of it happening in terms of probably discussion towards the second half of 24. And I'm actually going to draw back on my days back in 2010 when I worked at Digitas in New York City and my client was American Express. And we'd already started trying to figure out what we were calling T-commerce or television commerce. So this year with Amazon getting the Black Friday football game, roughly 10 million people tuned in to watch, didn't leave the house, didn't go shopping. And throughout that day, Amazon was using, I mean, five, 10 year old technology by putting QR codes on the screen to say, this is what you can buy now. What's amazing about this is actually for once we are mirroring content engagement and intention. As we already know, as marketers, everybody sits on their couch with an iPad, an iPhone, a Google phone, whatever it is that you have with you and you're watching your content. So now all of a sudden it comes on screen oh, I want this, I pull up my iPad, I pull up my phone, I, sc I scan the code, boom, 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 buy. Okay, it is a very short jump for Amazon to all of a sudden say, you know, we're now gonna be the quote unquote through Amazon Prime, the operating system within your television. And when this comes up, you just pick up your, your um, remote control for your television, since majority of those for the past few years have been building in microphones. And you click your little microphone and you say, 
Amazon buy, maybe there's a code on the screen. So ABC123 size large goes through. If it's already connected to Amazon, you've already got an account. So it's already hitting your account. It's hitting the, you know, so it's putting the sale into your bucket and it's already then gone out to the fulfillment center and it's going to be to you within, we'll call it four to five days. I think television commerce and the portal that that gives us, well, yes, it's probably a good solid year away. I just think we're getting closer and closer to actually allowing this to be the reality that it should be. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think you also have things like YouTube, which are mm -hmm. now viewed in your living room on your big screen because of smart TVs. It's just an app. I think half their views come from the the living room app versus watching it on on your phone. It doesn't it's a short walk to be able to monetize commerce on that stuff. And so I do agree that there is some innovation that's really on, on the horizon, whether it's next year or 2025, like you said, it's definitely on the horizon, you know, as we've obviously migrated to kind of video everywhere and mm -hmm. it's, it makes sense that commerce is going to kind of follow suit. I remember a few years ago when Amazon debuted those drones to, yeah, you know, drop the packages at your front doorstep. And I remember this pundit said, you know, the, the point here is they're never going to do this. They're never going to yeah. have drones deliver packages. But what Amazon is doing with this stunt is they're managing expectations in the investment community that Amazon is an innovator. Yeah. And, and they're going to be doing stuff like this to really test the boundaries of what's possible. And they did. They came out with the Amazon Prime. They were delivering stuff within hours really revolutionizing the kind of home shopping paradigm. And I yep. think the same thing can happen from a video standpoint. You know, when you said YouTube, which is a great call out just because of how, let's be honest, there's the size of their footprint in general. Right, right. But it also reminded me, I have a Sony television. My operating system is Google. So I'm already on a Google platform on my television today. So for them to all of a sudden to be able to install that function to buy, even if in the short term they had it fulfilled through Amazon fulfillment centers, it is a very easy step. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm on Apple TV, but it's just, I still have access to YouTube and, and all that stuff. And, and that actually segues into my last prediction for uh, 2024. I think there's going to be a lot of acquisitions. There's going to be buyers and sellers within the streaming space. And, all, you can even put YouTube in there, but I mean, or YouTube TV maybe. But I think you have players like Amazon and Disney and Apple. They've all raised their their prices. You know, Netflix included. Mm -hmm. yep. And so I think that 2024, I think the dust is settled in terms of who's buying who at this point. So there's going to be a little bit of a lull, and then you're going to see some activity because I don't think you can just go a whole year of dealing with churn issues across these platforms. They're going to need to grow. They're need they're going to need to justify some of their price increases. And so I think there's going to be a lot of acquisitions. We talked about it on a previous episode about the reaggregation. Mm -hmm. There's this concept that a lot of people want the cable experience of having everything on one platform. But I, I think that there will be some acquisitions. You know, we already saw, like I, I noticed like Disney Plus is now just added a Hulu button to their 
paid. So there could be a lot more of acquisition, some reaggregation. I think Disney's going to be a big player. They're either going to sell or buy or both. So I'm going to agree and disagree. So to your point, we've already seen Max put its DC content this week onto Netflix, right? Because Max realizes as a platform, they don't have the size. They're in a world of hurt when it comes to money and trying to dig themselves out of a hole. And so they basically licensed out some of their content over to Netflix, right? Get it more eyeballs, worth money, bringing, helping them get out of debt, but allowed them to your point to proliferate content across different platforms. So I agree with you that I think there's going to be some shakeups. I do wonder what's going to happen to Paramount. I could see that being bought. I could see that, you know, them selling Paramount or at least breaking off different pieces. Like they tried to sell BET, didn't quite work, but I could see that happening. I could also see that Peacock, who has not really figured it out, I could see them joining forces with someone. Um, and to that effect, Max, I still don't quite understand and, you know, how they're going to dig themselves out of their hole. So I definitely agree with what you're saying. Now, where I will say, and I'll kind of do a counterspin, which is a drum that I've beat on a couple of different of these casts, the cost of money. So again, next year, they're not expecting the interest rate to drop dramatically, just kind of even out and drop a little bit. So then the question is, who's got the cash to do it? As we know, Bob Iger just did an $8 billion acquisition for Hulu, you know, wired that money through, got that deal done. Um, Apple sits on a ton of cash that they could use for various things to help out their streaming platform, private equity, maybe private equity will step in and do something. So that's kind of where I'm hedging what you're saying. Well, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just not quite sure how it's going to happen. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really know either. I just feel like there has to be some movement because it, I, we had a whole bunch of movement in 22 and 23 coming out of the pandemic. If you, if you think about it as an arc, the pandemic really boosted in-home streaming yeah. by by literally a decade. Yes. And I think right now it's it's kind of plateaued. What what you're going to see is you're going to see some moving and shaking as people get dissatisfied. I agree with all the players you just mentioned. I think it's going to become one of those things. Like we talked about it on an earlier episode, like you know, the problem I had with cables, it got too expensive. They kept raising my price and adding things I didn't want. If the reaggregation of some of these streamers, if all of a sudden Disney Plus turns into a $30 a month thing, I'm not going to subscribe. Yeah. If they start adding stuff that I don't, I don't even watch it now. So if if they keep adding things that I don't want, then I'm absolutely going to start cutting back on some of the streaming offerings that I currently have. So what what's your next one? So my next one, I'm going to actually go to purpose-driven marketing. I think that the modern buyer really is looking to be an active participant in the global marketplace. They want to feel like they're doing both good for the economy and good for the planet. They want a quality product and service, but also one that aligns with their personal beliefs and contributes contributes positively to society. So I think that's where brands that tap into this will have a major advantage. So that's my next thing. I think that with everything that's been going on, I think that brands that actually have a purpose and can clearly communicate that purpose to their um, potential clients, I think will actually be winners next year. I, I hope you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot of advertisers out there that are just looking to make as much money as possible and We'll, we'll see what happens. Congratulations to you that, that we got this podcast up and running. <laughs> I, I think we have a, a whole year to kind of figure out 
if some of these predictions come true or not. Very true. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we end this one? No, I'll just say, you know, you thanked me. I'm going to thank you for coming along on this journey. You were just as excited as I was to do this. It's a lot of fun. I've always told everyone that listens, I can't say we're the (laughs) smartest or the best marketing podcast, but we definitely have fun and we have opinions. And I think we're right on a lot of what we talk about. So I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Uh, On to the next one. 